Suzanne on the keys. Great. Thank you, Suzanne. Um, yeah. The handlers are helping me here. This morning, like we do every Sunday, we, we dismiss the children. If, if you're a, a child or if you're the parent of a child from four years old to fourth grade, it's easy to remember. Go ahead and go back. Miss Doreen's waiting on you. She's got a little, little uh, basket in her arm. She's ready to get you guys creative around the Bible. So as, our, as, our, uh, as the kids go out, I'd like to make an announcement about another child that has come into the world. Actually, a few children have come into the world and, that are connected to First Baptist Monterey in the last weeks, two weeks, I believe. Um, the Munsons, what's your, your son's name? Timothy. Praise God. They're at home right now. And they should be. You know, that's good. Glad to have a new birth of children into the world. Also, the Tories have been blessed with a, their first grandchild. And in keeping, amen, in keeping with uh, the T's, a young man's name is Tyler. Is that right? All right. Tyler Tory. That works. That works. Uh, so Pat Tory, uh, Christian, your son, and Charmaine, their, their daughter-in-law, um, gave birth to a beautiful... Oh, and Doreen, oh, Doreen is, is the better half of this, this young man here. And, uh, huh? Years of prayer. Years of prayer. He's got two more out there, two more sons out there that uh, are, are getting there. But um, So, Tyler and Timothy, pl- please pray for Charmaine and, Chris, and Christian as they continue and kind of move forward and, and taking care of these kids. And also, pray for the Munsons, John and Rita as they take care of their many children and uh, possibly many more to come. So, uh, <laughs> Pray with me, please. Dear God, we, we thank you again for all the, the, the joy that you bring into our lives. And uh, we thank you for your son, Lord, who has been so, uh, who demonstrates his compassion, his love for uh, the lost by not just spending time with them and not just listening to their concerns, but going to the very length of, of giving his own life. And so, God, we pray this morning that as we look at your son and what he has done um, for us, that we would be grateful, that our lives would be new, and that you would be honored by the works that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have a chiropractor, and um, he, he, he told me that you know, the first time I went to him, he started adjusting my back, and I was, like, I was a little nervous because, you know, chiropractors, they crack backs, and you're wondering if they're going to, you know, come after you. And uh, I'm saying this right now because my neck just started hurting a minute ago. Uh, he... He, for the last year and a half, he's, I've been visiting him, and, and gradually he's gotten more aggressive in his back cracking and neck cracking. Right? 
So I went on Monday of last week, and he, he did something to my neck. And he was like, you know, like twisting and popping. I was like, man, where? I left there thinking to myself, he's usually a pretty reasonable guy. It's like, where's the compassion, man? You know, it's like, that's, that's pretty painful. Um, but God is good. It's getting better. Please pray for me as I stand here before you today. Um, compassion. I think all of us in this room would say that we appreciate when someone is compassionate. Will we not? Whether it's a politician or a person that we know or, or pastor or a friend, we, we want and we desire that people who interact with us are compassionate. I mean, who, who wants to be around a person that's not compassionate, that doesn't care about the concerns of other people? I think most of us would agree that we appreciate compassion. And this doesn't always mean that we develop into these people who are extraordinarily needful, Right? It doesn't mean that we, you know, develop into people that, that have, you know, need, 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 gimme, 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 you know, not like that. But that we just, like most people, appreciate and expect that people around us would be compassionate, especially people who have responsibilities and roles where that's their, you know, we talk about politicians shaking hands and kissing babies. Um, you know, kind of like the idea that, hey, this is kind of a part of your, your person, right? Um, on, the, on the other side of that equation... We understand that this idea of compassion and, and the expression of it is a part of a relationship. In other words, if I expect people to be compassionate toward me, then I must also be compassionate toward them. Right? If I expect someone to treat me with care and concern, then I must be a person who treats other people with care and concern. Right? Do we agree with that? Maybe we don't. I don't know. In today's message, we, we kind of want to we're going to ponder this idea of compassion, um, and and in doing so, the goal is not to sit in the room and point out who the self-loving person is, the narcissist is in the room, right? The goal is to look at Jesus in in, in Mark chapter one verses forty to forty-five, to look at Jesus and see how he demonstrated compassion in this very very vivid account of this leper who walks up to him um, in, in this moment. Again, our goal today is to examine the work of Christ to see how uh, Jesus exemplifies the, the responsibility and the call to be compassionate. Again, my hope is today is that we can walk away being able to answer the question, how can I demonstrate more compassion for those that I care about. So that's, that's kind of the question we're going to answer today. How can I demonstrate genuine care and compassion to those with whom I share this life? Right. Up until this point, um, we've been reading about Jesus interacting with other people. Throughout these, these passages we've been reading, we've been seeing him quickly deal with issues, Right? Dealing, in most cases, they say that he was healing all these different people. He's dealing with hurting people. People hurt. There are multiple reasons that people hurt. I thought of three of them this week as I prepared. There are three reasons that people hurt in general. One, people hurt because of self-induced pain. They hurt because of sin, because of guilt, 
because of anxiety, whatever the case may be, one of the reasons that people hurt is because of pain that is effectively self-induced. Again, sin, guilt, anxiety. Another reason people hurt is because of others. Anger, hostility, gossip, physical abuse. These things committed by other people can cause us to have hurt and pain. Another reason people hurt, and this is kind of a difficult one, um, one reason that people hurt is because of what God may do in their life. You know, and without going too much into it, I just say Job. You know, this, is, this is kind of a sticky one. You, get kind of, you, know, you go around and you kind of wonder how to explain it, but all I can say is, is, is look at Job. Job, for all intents and purposes, hadn't done anything, but God had brought some pretty difficult things into his life by way of the enemy who approached God and said, hey, if you did not do these things for him, I bet he wouldn't worship you. And so God says to Job, God says to Satan, okay, go ahead, have your way. And so God allows him to experience that that suffering. And so people may say, well, it wasn't God. But if you look at it, the whole picture of things, God allowed Satan to to do that. And so people hurt because of self-induced pain, sin, anxiety, guilt. People hurt because people hurt them, throw stuff at them, yell at them, curse at them. And people hurt because sometimes God either takes something out of their life or puts something into their life that is difficult to bear. When people hurt, we should have a response to them as we interact with them. Um, you know, technology has given us this, these great tools these days. Last 10 or 15 years, we've been kind of graced, as it were, by these tech companies with resources to at least feign or at least demonstrate or show some way of compassion. Matter of fact, you think about Facebook, for example. We log on to Facebook and we see someone dealing with something or happy about something, and what do we do? We, we like it, or we put a sad face on it, or we even make a comment about it, right? And in doing so, we say, hey, you know, we're, we're showing that we care about you. You know, we, we, we liked your post. That means we care about you. We commented on your new kid birth. Hey, I love you, right? And at the same time, we're effectively saying to this person or these people, hey, now look at my pictures. You know, look at what I'm doing. Like me, you know. So it's kind of like this, kind of these tools have created this kind of self-loving love. In other words, we're, we're showing compassion out of a desire to have someone show compassion to us as opposed to giving love and compassion because we genuinely love and, and care for those people. You know, before uh, it was before Facebook and things like that, we had email. And if we forgot about someone or if we forgot to talk, about, talk to someone, we just say, hey, you know what? I'll send them an email. And then if I send them an email, get it off my, my desk, my to-do list, I'm good to go. Right? Before that was a telephone. I was watching Andy Griffith the other day. I love that show. It's an old show from the 1960s. And, you know, when they make phone calls on Andy Griffith, what do they do? They say, hey, um, Margaret, can you give me 49293? And then they call up. And so, so the telephone was invented for people who couldn't make it to someone's house for them to make a phone call and say, hey, here's my voice. How are you doing? Are you okay? Of course, now we got, you know, cell phones and stuff like that. But the telephone's been around for a while. But again, going back in time, we think to ourselves, there's all these different ways that we've changed things around us so that we can either try to be more caring for other people. There was a time in history 
where when someone was sick, you'd go visit them. When someone was, was, was hurting, you carved out time in your schedule and you went over to their home or you set up a time with them to spend with them. That's not that common anymore. That's not as common as it used to be. It should be more common, and it should be more common, especially among the believing uh, church. In this example that the Lord gives us, we see, and in his life, we see that as difficult as his duties were, he was still committed to giving his time to those people who were hurting, right? He was still committed to giving his time and his effort to those people who were hurting. At uh, Mark chapter 1, we're in Mark chapter 1, verses uh, 40 to 45. Let's read that together, and then we'll, we'll kind of give a little bit of that story as well. So Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, we look at this leper, we look at Jesus' response, and we, we see his heart in this passage, and we pray, God, that in looking at the heart of Christ, you would help us to see um, how... You're calling us out um, in our compassion. We pray, God, that as we look at this passage, that you would show us yourself and that you would humble us, that we would walk more closely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2 verses 11 to 14, um, the Apostle Paul makes, makes this statement. He says this in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself 
a people for his own possession who are zealous for good deeds or good works in this passage. I read that because whenever I, I look at the works of Christ and whenever I, whenever I read statements in the gospel about things that he did, one of the first things I try to do is I try to think about, you know, what, what can I, how can I model that? What is God calling me to model in this activity of Jesus? I mean, you can think of yourself, of things that Jesus did, people that he spoke to, how he responded to people, how he interacted with people. And in doing so, you can either look at it and just observe and walk away from the text, or you can look at it and say, what, what is this commanding of me? What is, what, is this, what is this passage and this example that Jesus gives asking of me, calling me to do? And that's, that's where we're at this morning. You know, Jesus wants us to model our lives after his own, to trust the Father the way he trusts him, to pursue the will of God the way he pursued the will of God, to love others the way that he loved them. This should be said, if we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, if, we've, if someone, somewhere in our life we walked an aisle, some of us did that. I don't know, how many folks walked an aisle when you were saved? You actually walked down an aisle and you, you walked before a group of people and you, you, you gave your life to a few hands. That, that doesn't happen. I grew up in the South. And whatever that means, um, maybe I'm assuming you guys, whatever. But, you know, it's very commonplace to provide an opportunity for people to respond to the message of the gospel. Because sometimes this is the only opportunity you got to do it. But we're not doing altar calls here. I'm not trying to say at some point, if, if you're making a decision for Christ, you would, you would come for it. But what I am saying is this. At some point, some of us, whether we walked an aisle or whether we prayed a prayer to receive Christ in our room, our bedroom, or some, some pastor or friend that worked with us and explained to us the gospel and we prayed and pray, prayed that prayer and, and confessed our sin and gave our lives to God, in that moment or at that time, God changed us. God made us new people. And when he made us new people, he began to, in that moment, expect certain things from us. And in expecting certain things from, from us, he didn't just say, okay, all right, I want you to, 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 to muscle this out. He didn't say that. He said, okay, now that, you've been, now that you've made this decision, you must die to yourself and allow me, via the Holy Spirit, me to take ownership of who you are so that you can now begin to walk in the way that I expect you to walk, right? So it's important in kind of beginning this message that we want to understand that God is not calling us to muscle through obedience. There, is, there are aspects of, of trying and doing. You know, Paul says that I, what is that, I beat my body, you know, make it a slave in order so that I may be, obey the word of God to some degree. It's kind of a paraphrase. Um, he says, also, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that God is at work in you to, to work for his good pleasure. So there is an element where you, you're doing things, but the point is this. Your ultimate ability to obey God and to do what God is expecting of you will not come from you. Maybe this is, this is a newsflash. 
You don't have it in you. As much as we may try, as much as religious leaders and, and you know, Sherpas, and oh, Sherpas, a guy who takes a guy up a hill, right? It's not Sherpas. It's like those guys who, I can't think of the word, but what is that? Shaman? What's a shaman? Is that like a, huh? Oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's a good one, yeah. yeah you know, these, these guys who, who, who think that they can, you know, um, keep themselves from food and keep themselves from all these things, and by doing so, be more holy, right? It doesn't work. Moralism doesn't work, you know? Um, Republicanism doesn't work. Democratism doesn't work. That's a word, right? These, these things that we, we, we kind of align ourselves with or try to, try to muscle through in our, in our acts can't make us who God wants us to be. The only way we become who God wants us to be is, is through what? Through Christ, through the Holy Spirit of God, right? It's the only way. Right? And so today, as we look at this, we have to remember that these, these characteristics we're going to look at, there's five of them. There's five characteristics that I find, you might find more in your own study. There's five characteristics that I found in this passage of a compassionate person. These characteristics aren't things that you manufacture through your, you know, A, B, C, D effort. These are things that God manufactures in you as he changes you, as the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your body, right? Amen? Amen. So, what does a compassionate person look like? Well, first thing I'll put on your notes here is that a compassionate person is approachable. Is approachable. You know, why do we say that? How do we see that in the text? I think if you, any simple second grade reading would, would see that in the passage, but he says here, and a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, Jesus was approachable. And why is it so obvious, at least in this passage, um, we know that lepers, maybe we don't know, lepers were kind of like the, the people you stay away from in society. Matter of fact, they were told to wear cut clothes, I think shave their heads and stuff. And whenever you saw them, you guys know what, what people would say when they saw them? What would they yell when they saw them? Unclean, unclean. Can you imagine living a life like that? You, you walk down Lighthouse, and then as you're walking down Lighthouse, somebody's like yelling, unclean, unclean. Pretty embarrassing, right? right? And then what happens to these people? These people were, were, lived this way because they, they had a disease in most cases, a disease that was contagious. And if, that, if, if people came in touch, you know, contact with them, they might get the, that leprosy themselves. And so this, this group of people, they were considered the people you stay away from in society. You know, leprosy has been uh, used uh, in synonymously with sin, right? We see that in the Bible. You know, leprosy is like the sin disease. Or we look at sin and we kind of equate it to leprosy. And so this person, this guy, for all intents and purposes, even though he knew that he couldn't approach any priest or any rabbi or any person for that matter, even though he knew that he was an unclean person who was an outcast in society. He said, you know what? I heard about this guy, Jesus. And I know that he cares about the hurting. And I know that he has demonstrated power to heal 
the most difficult situation. And so, you know what? I am going to trust that his mercy will outweigh his commitment to ritualistic practices. I'm going to trust that he is more of a mercy-filled teacher, or in this case, he actually bows to him, so he sees him as Lord. I'm going to trust that he has more mercy than he has rigid ritual. Jesus was approachable. He was approachable. Um, Again, for us, though, as we look at ourselves, it's Christ living in us that makes us approachable. Right? In other words, if, if you're a believer and you're not approachable, then you got some work to do. Well, Christ has got some work to do in you. Because as believers, we should be like Jesus in this way. People shouldn't be afraid to, to come up to us and talk to us about things because they're worried, they're, they're worried you're going to explode on them. Or they're worried you're going to throw them away as a person. Or you're going to judge them for what they said to you. Or you're going to going to tell them how bad they are and how much they need to go and, you know, throw themselves in the Pacific Ocean and wash in salt water. Really horrible. But, but you know, you get the point, right? We should be people that people look at and they say, hey, that person is approachable. The only way that's possible, obviously, is when the Holy Spirit takes over us and controls us and changes who we are. This leper came close enough to Jesus to be touched by him a man who had been cast out and avoided in society, he knew that coming close to our teacher was not going to be good, but he said, you know what? Again, as I said earlier, Jesus would look past his sin. Um, Matthew 8, 2, the parallel passage, points out the fact that the man recognized and honored Jesus as Lord. He says to him, Lord, if you will. Right, and so in other words, this man didn't just see Jesus as a, as a you know, miracle worker. In, in this passage, we see him bowing to him. In, in, Matthew, in Matthew's account of the same passage, we see him saying, Lord. And so in this context, we understand that this man knew that this was God. Right? He recognized that. Another thing uh, we, we notice here is that this man recognized the sovereignty of God and that it, it was lived out in Christ. In other words, he says, if it is your will, I will be clean. So without any theological training, as far as we know, without any backstory about who he, what he would have known, he recognized who God is. You know, I was listening to the radio the other day, and, and, and every once in a while they play an advertisement for this, this show that comes on um, by this pastor in Houston, who has a very large church, um, who is very grega- you know, gregarious and, and things. And uh, he has a show. And on that show, he invites people to come in and talk. And then one of the people that he invited in to talk was another media mogul lady who has a magazine who's on the cover of each one of those magazines. Every time it comes out, no one else has ever been on it, the cover. But, um, but she's on there. And, and then she says, she says, what kind of God would wants you to suffer. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, how, anyway, I don't want to go into the whole thing, but the point is this. Um, what is the point? Um, there are some people who, who create God in their own image. There are some people who, 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 either because they get successful 
or because they have a, 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 a formula for life. They create a God. And sometimes that God looks very similar to the God of the Bible, but it is not the God of Scripture. As believers, we should be able to recognize that and acknowledge that, and, and we should not be creating our own gods, saying things like, oh, well, my God doesn't do, do those types. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't punish people for sin. He, he doesn't criticize people who have chosen to, to live X, Y, and Z way. He loves, he doesn't do, my God, does, he wouldn't do that. We, this leper didn't create his own God. He acknowledged the God of the universe as being the one who stood before him, who had compassion enough to heal him, right? So, um, compassionate people are approachable. The next point is that compassionate people act. They act. Uh, And by that I mean they purpose to do what is in their power to address the needs of others, and not just at church around religious people, but they do it in all instances. Let me say that again. Compassionate people act. The next thing we see here in this, in this statement, verse, verse uh, uh, 41 again, he says, if you will, Jesus, it says, Jesus was moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. He acted. You know, some of us have a gift. We have an ability. Some of us can draw. Some of us can can, can, are hospitable. We, we have things that God has given us, abilities and things like that. Um, you know, we can sing, play instruments and whatnot. But even though we may have those gifts or those abilities, we don't feel a need to help other folks with it. You know, we, God has, has strengthened us in a certain way. And even though he strengthened us in a certain way, we say, you know what? I don't have time to give to this effort. So I'm just going to go and hang out and watch this next game, right? What I'm saying is this. Jesus in this passage, we know he had all power. We know that he could do, he could have actually just said, be healed, and the guy would have been healed. But what did he do? Instead of just saying it, what did he do? You guys are reading it. You could talk. It's like Sunday school. You know, we, we, can, we can talk. I mean, I hate being up here, actually. I mean, I was like, I, I was thinking, I was like, you know, what happened to church? I mean, how many times did Jesus actually stand up before a bunch of people and, like, everybody's looking at him, and then he's talking to them? At least recorded. It wasn't that often. I mean, most of those conversations were, like, sitting down and, like, you know, hey, Jason, how's it going, man? Yeah. Um, having a good day? You good? Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's good. This is not fake, by the way. I'm actually, I'm actually, getting, I'm actually concerned about this because... How far are you guys along? Seriously. Oh, awesome. Praise God. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm giving an example here. I'm, I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be artificial, but what I'm saying is that this is what it's about, right? This is why we have small group during the week is because life is not you sitting here, you know, waiting for the guy up there to say something else, Right? Oh, I'm still up here. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really not what it is. People, when, when we walk with Christ, when we're owned by Him, we act, man and, and, and woman. We actually get up and we do 
I mean, I know we say, well, I got this going on. I'm meeting with this person on this day. I got to go to work at this time. I got to be, I don't have time to be, because I'll, I'll just see him on Sunday. And I'll smile. And I'll come next week and I'll smile again. And the next week I'll do it again. And on Christmas, I'll come a little bit early, because that's important. And we got to have dinner afterwards, right? No, that's not it. You know, Jesus, in all his busyness, even though he could have just, again, said, you know, you're, you got white stuff all over you, and I'm not going to touch that. I'll say you healed, and then after you get healed, then I'll hug you and embrace you. No, he touched, he went beyond, and be, he went above and beyond, right? What, his, what he could have done in order to see this man be healed. Again, that should be said of us. We should be act-ors. Not actors, but people who act, right? Amen? Amen. Uh, moving on. Uh, compassionate people also ascertain. This is an alliteration. It's hard to find these words. It's like playing words for friends. And you're like, man, I got a Q and an R and an S and an A. What in the world can I get? Anyway. Um, they ascertain. A compassionate people ascertain. What do I mean by that? Look again at verse uh, chapter 1, verse 41a, I believe here. Uh, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. You guys remember in the previous passage where Jesus, uh, the, the, the uh, person with a demon, he walks into the synagogue, and then look back over um, in, in verse 24. This is this uh, man demon-possessed. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You can imagine, imagine somebody doing that in the synagogue, right? And imagine they were saying that to you. It's like, oh, I'm not, what, your, your response might be, hey, hey, you better get away from me. Step back. Because you don't want you don't want any of this, man. You know, so you, you would your response would be to that person, you get out of my face, man, because you're asking for trouble, right? No, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't he, he doesn't he doesn't look at the guy. What does he look at? The demon. He looks past the guy, directly at the demon, right? In this case, in this Bible, in this passage, Jesus looks beyond the leper at the, the problem, the leprosy problem, right? Um, we must be people who can distinguish between the stain and the soul. We must be people who can, who can, who can look past, I have a guy that works, well, it's, it was a guy, it was a guy, now it's a, another, a woman, but there's a guy I work with at the office who one day, all of a sudden, decided, I'm a woman now. And I work for the Defense Department, so, and he has a clearance. And so he had to go, I mean, you think about it, he had to go through a lot of stuff to get his new CAC card and go through all the changes. So he, this is a commitment. You talk about bacon and eggs, it's like, man, the, the I'm sorry. I forgot the joke. The, the chicken was, was, Involved in that breakfast, the bacon was committed. The pig was committed. I really bashed that up, but you know what I'm saying. 
You know what I'm talking about. So um, this guy, he, he, he committed, and he, 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 trained, he went to the other team, okay? And um, Seinfeld reference. Um, and, and I remember talking to a colleague of mine, and I said, man, dude, that's, that's something else. He's walking around with a blouse now, and he's wearing, like, you know, women's pants, and, you know, and he's got, and I was like, man, that's, that's, and my coworker said to me, he said, um, wouldn't it be, but, but, but wouldn't it be horrible if you had that, that struggle? And he was like, man, can you imagine having that, that in you to where you, you want to be, you're so hurting that you want to change your, your gender, you know? And I was like, yeah, you're right. And when you think about it that way, you know, there, you can have a little bit more, there's the bell. You have a little bit more compassion. Because you think, you know, I got demons I, I, I battle. May not be as bad as that, but, you know, we all have things that we, that we fight against. I would pray that it would be said of those who I interact with that they're able to look beyond the struggles that I have to see me as a human being made in the image of God who needs the grace of God every moment of my life. So the point here is that compassionate people ascertain in that they see the stain as being separate from the soul who God died for. Uh, next point. Kind of rush through this. Uh, compassionate people admonish. They admonish. Look again at, at the passage. And Jesus certainly charged him be, uh, uh, and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for yourself, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. I won't go into it. Read Leviticus chapter 13 and, and chapter 14. This week in your off time, in your time on even, read Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14. Great text there as to what, was, what the responsibility of the leper was once they were cleansed, okay? But here in this point, compassionate people encourage other people to be compassionate. How do we see it here? Well, Jesus says, go to the synagogue, talk to the priest. And by doing that, he's effectively saying, hey, this guy's been restored. And in his restoration... And in as much as I have restored him, society, you restore him. Synagogue, religious leaders, you restore him. Restore him back to a place where he can be in society, living amongst you as if a person that never had an issue, right? And so as if we are compassionate people, we're going to be admonishers. We're going to encourage others to be Compassionate. Last point in this text is that compassionate people, uh, they abase. Thank you, Torstein. He gave me that word this morning. I couldn't figure out an alliteration for it. Um, by that I mean this. They don't expect to be acknowledged or rewarded for the good things they've done. Right? What does Jesus say at the very end of this? He says, um, don't say to anything to anyone. Say nothing to, to what? See that you say nothing to, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. He says, Jesus is saying, hey, don't bring attention to me. 
for what I have done here. Yes, I have demonstrated compassion over you, but I don't want you to go out and, 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 and build more attention for me. Right? That should be us, right? I mean, I, the notes I say here, it's the responsibility, the responsibility to help others um, kind of brings with it also a, a, a requirement to remain humble as we, as we help them. Um, if God wants us to receive accolades for the good that, that we've done in his name, let him do that. And, and sometimes he will do that. But don't, it is not our call to expect or even demand that people give us a reward for the good things that we have done in the name of God. Now, at the beginning of this message, I, I made the statement that, you know, all the things that we've been, talk, been talking about today, they rest within this context that um, we know God. That we have a relationship with him. That we, have, that we have committed ourselves to trust in Jesus and to be a disciple of his for the rest of our lives. That's kind of what the basis that we start with. And everything that we talk about on Sunday, and when Pastor Nate comes back next week, and as we continue in our Bible studies, all of the things that we discuss hinge upon this reality that until we make a decision in our hearts to trust Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, none of these things are really going to make sense or will they be effective for us. And so as I said at the outset, you know, if you've never trusted in Christ, if you've never said that, God, I desire that you take ownership of who I am. I desire that you control me, own me, lead my life. If you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that today. I want to encourage you to, to make that decision today. As a matter of fact, I want us to bow right now. And I, I do want to to offer anyone in that situation. I'm not going to have you come forward, but I am going to ask you, if you are in that situation where you have never received Christ, where you've never accepted the Lord in, into your life, you've been contemplating it, you've been thinking about it, I want to ask you to, to consider praying a prayer with, with me. And I want to ask everyone who, uh, anyone who has become a believer to pray for people that may be about to pray this prayer. If that's you, if, if you want today to turn your life over to Christ, to allow him to, to, to let him own you, to lead you, and to, to direct you in everything you do, I want you to pray this with me. Bow and pray, not out loud. Pray this prayer in this way. God, I am a sinner, fully deserving of the punishment which you have prepared. God, I believe and trust that you sent your only son, Jesus of Nazareth, to live a perfect life, to die sinless as a payment for my sins against you. God, please save me. 
please change me into the person that you would like me to be. I ask for your Holy Spirit to come into my heart and to make me new. Amen. It's as simple as that. If you, if you couldn't, if, if you're making a decision like that and you prayed that prayer and, and, and you didn't follow the words, God knew your heart. And, and, and as, as instant as that was, is the, is the instance of your change. And so if, if you did pray that prayer and you want to share that with us, please, uh, there's, there'll be a person at the booth outside in the, in the hallway. Talk with them. If, if there's a card in front of you, fill it out and drop it off in this little golden tray that we had earlier. And, um, or drop it off at the front of the, of the uh, pews here, and we will follow up with you on your decision. Uh, let me close in prayer, and then we'll receive the benediction. Dear Heavenly Father, your word is so filled and so rich with truth. And so, God, we pray that as we uh, leave this place, that we would move out in faith and in trust. And and in in keeping with this lesson day today, God, we pray that we would leave this place desiring to be compassionate, desiring to be loving toward those that you've called us to, to care for. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand.